Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beach is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell hanging out on Monday after the NFL draft. We had a good time in Nashville. We're going to break down all of that. We had trades go down. We got guys that went undrafted that were incredible football players in college. Yep. Uh, the difference between being a free agent and actually getting drafted. Uh, the NBA has some controversy, um, which we're going to delve into that. It got pretty heated here in a little pre-show meeting. Yeah, I'm sweating. I'm still sweating. Before we get to the Josh Rosen yeah. part, just your quick thoughts on the Game of Thrones Battle of Winterfell. <laughs> just quickly, just um, to summarize. Too dark. Yes, that was a big complaint around everybody. So I actually learned this. I'm t- I actually feel ahead of the game. Yeah. So I watch it on my iPad, big iPad, the iPad Pro. Sure. And I've actually learned this through every episode of Game of Thrones, brightness, full go. Full go. Because even if you do have daytime scenes, you don't really notice it that much. Like it's not, but when it's all these scenes in the dark and, and dungeons, castles, dungeons, yeah. I just always had it on brightness. So I'm watching it like I normally do. I'm like, oh, okay, this is just like another normal episode. Sure. Now, you watched it had a different experience. I tried to watch it like in the movie room, like I was gonna have a night for myself. Yeah. I coached basketball all day. I went in, got myself a blanket, got myself a little glass, was sipping, and it was just so dark that my eyes couldn't adjust. <laughs> Try to go back out to the couch and watch it on the TV. So it was too dark um, and too long for what ultimately transpired. I guess right. for me, like that, I thought that so could have been th- when I saw the hour and thirty five. I was like, oh okay, it's gonna be on. Did yeah. they? But I think they just did it to have the longest battle scene in the history of television. Yeah, and that's, that's why they did it. That's fine. But I also agree with you. I thought you could have. Like, Game I didn't love the battle scene. There wasn't any fantastic, like, no. like, yeah, like, uh, sword play or, exactly. or battling that, that, that would have made me think that, that, that you did something really cool, you know? I am kind of with you. And I also think Game of Thrones has always kept you guessing. It's really been heart-wretching. Like, yeah. I always go back to the Red Wedding. Yeah. When that episode opened, wow. like, it blew your mind. Correct. How cri- critical characters, characters were just killed off the Correct. show. You really didn't have anybody of significance that died last. No, night. I mean, Sir Jorah went, uh, Theon went, uh, yeah. the little girl from, from whatever went, but n- nobody that would have really. Oh, I, please allow me to like. Focus saying don't spoil it for everybody. If you haven't watched by now, then tough. Yeah, super, too bad for you. Yeah. Um, I, I did, I, I gotta give myself crap and pat myself on the back a little bit. Now it didn't oh. happen the way I said exactly it was gonna happen, but I got most of the pieces right. Like, you did. You, know, there you was said Arya critical... was gonna kill the Nike. Yes, correct. So good job right. for you. Thank you, bud. All right, let's get to Josh Rosen, who I think has handled this pretty close to perfect the whole offseason, and I thought he capped it off with a pretty uh, touching uh, send-off to the city of Arizona. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to say a couple things after everything that's just happened. Uh, Cardinals fans, thank you so much for all of the continued support this past year. Uh, I know we didn't win as many games as we all would have hoped, but I had an unbelievable time with you guys. Um, unfortunately, my time here is coming to an end, uh, but you guys are really getting a hell of a player in Kyler Murray, and he's going to do great things for the Red Sea. Um, Kyler, I just want to congratulate you and your family on getting drafted. Uh, Arizona's a really special place, and you're going to love playing and living here. Uh, it's my teammates, staff, and everyone who worked at the facility. Uh, I can't thank you enough for all the support and great memories you've created this past year. Um, I'm really wishing all of the Arizona Cardinals uh, the best of luck moving forwards. And uh, Miami, I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Uh, I'm ready to attack this new chapter in my life uh, and give you guys everything I have each and every day. Uh, my bags are packed, and I'm on a flight first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, so get ready, South Florida, and go Fins. Um, and Kyler, one more thing. Uh, an awesome two-bedroom uh, in Old Town just came onto the market. So let me know if you're interested, and I think I can get you a pretty good deal. <laughs> I love it. I don't know, uh, obviously, the state of Arizona. Yes, correct, correct, correct. I might have been saying goodbye to right. there. 
Um, I don't know if anybody's helping him right. with his PR, but whoever they are, if they are, deserves a big raise. Well done. Josh Rosen's likability has inf- gone up infinitely, like exponentially over mm-hmm. the past six months. One, because of the way he handled the, the Kyler Murray sit- rumors sure. all the way leading up to it. But then also the way he's handled his exit here. He's got humility, got a little bit of humor, sure. and then also excitement about going to a new place. Covered all his bases. Absolutely. I don't know from the Dolphins standpoint, I don't know if Josh Rosen's going to be a home run quarterback. I think he's got this, um, he's got amazing potential just mm-hmm. as a thrower of the football. Um, my big concern with him was some of the off the field, just stuff you've heard, rumors, right. you know, d- inspiring teammates and all those things. But, if he's been humbled somewhat, which it, you have to be in that situation after you've been basically kicked to the curb yep. after just one season, and you come in with a fresh mindset and the team looks at you a little differently, the Dolphins, it's a home run for. They're getting him for basically not like, you know, when you consider nothing when you look at the money. Right. And a 60-second pick overall in the draft on, man. and getting back a fifth. It's a freebie. It zero cents. It's a freebie. It's so a freebie. I'm actually excited for Josh Rosen, for, except the only thing I'm not excited for him is the talent is around him because the well, Dolphins still don't have very much talent. Um, so I also, I just want to touch on his exit from Phoenix. Uh, I thought it was cool that he stayed and played at Larry Fitzgerald's uh, celebrity softball game, yes. which he did not have to do. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that is a little bit of a, insight into what kind of person he is despite what you might get from from reports i mean guys that do that typically are, are good teammates you know if you're if you're trying to do that and maybe he has just been humbled by by this whole experience and, and he's a he's turned over kind of a new leaf personally i don't know that for sure i also got a funny story about like when you leave a town and you got that house yeah <laughs> i got lucky because jason richardson rented mine for a long time and then alex len wound up buying it so it was a situation like that hey if anybody as soon as guys would get traded there i'd be like yo i got this i got this house in paradise valley if anybody wants to uh so it actually worked out you actually did rent it out and i then ended up selling it to another team to another teammate i rented it to jason richardson for a while and then i actually rented his house in oakland in the oakland hills when i got traded out there and then I sold it to Alex Lynn. But for the Dolphins, where you say um, you're concerned for the talent level, I actually think it's a good thing for him. Oh, I think it's a great thing for be- Josh because, Rosen. Because you don't have to come in and you're not going to be expected to win right now. The pressure won't be there for him to be great. Um, it could even be a situation where you know, you, you, you've got you've got a starter in place to some degree, and I know he's not going to like to hear this, but it might even be a situation where he doesn't have to start for the first few games. Really get him, you know, settled down, uh, acclimated to a new environment, and then you kind of roll him out there later in the season, and, and then you got a good draft next year because by all accounts, they'll probably be pretty bad, and then you roll him out there next year as a fully developed quarterback in your system, um, two-year pro now, a little bit more mature, now some weapons and some expectations in Miami. Um, so I think it could, it's I think it's a win-win. Dolphins got him for nothing. Arizona Cardinals, kudos, kudos to you guys for getting your quarterback. Josh Rosen may have found a, a home. He's a California kid, Miami weather. You know, I think it, I think it's a good fit. So Josh Rosen um, was given Mike McCoy as his offensive coordinator, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Chad Williams, Trent uh, Sherfield. Right. Kyler Murray gets Cliff Kingsbury. Gets Larry Fitzgerald and then gets a bunch of young rookie wide receivers. Sure. Keen Butler, Andy Isabella. Um, I think the offensive line is going to be the biggest for both of these guys. The thing, and this is why I think it makes sense for both of them. Kyler Murray doesn't, they, they can take their time with Arizona, like getting the offensive line right. Right. Obviously you want to protect them as best you can, but if there are still deficiencies along the offensive line, Kyler Murray is going to mask a lot of those deficiencies where Josh Rosen, we saw that as he got killed and couldn't do anything because he's not a scrambler. Right. Uh, the Dolphins still, he needs to do, they need to get him better protection up front. Kenyon Drake is the running back from Alabama. I love him. I think he's awesome. Mm-hmm. He's outstanding. Um, they need to get him some better poor, uh, support at wide receiver.
because I don't know if uh, Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills are exactly, you know, doing a lot for you there. Like, hey, they getting rid of Jarvis Landry for me was one that this Dolphins team – I get there was a personal beef there with him. Adam Gase was a nut with that stuff. Yeah, he, he, he was, was it was, it was, was a little a too much of my way or the yeah, highway. Yeah, that was ridiculous. That does not work in today's game. It doesn't even work in college anymore, no. really, because those guys will get up and bounce. That's a, that's a dinosaur thing. No, it definitely doesn't. So, it, I totally agree with you. The, the expectations will be lower. Josh Rosen can come in here. Ryan Fitzpatrick most likely starts. Although I do think Rosen will be starting before long. Cause Me I too. think, I think they want to find out about the Dolphins. I think they want to find out about Rosen to see all right, is he the quarterback of our future, or yeah. do we need to draft Tua, or do we need to draft Correct. Trevor Lawrence? Nope. You know, what do we do Before there? next year's draft, yep. you, you need to know if Josh is, is, Just is viable. Just give you potential. What what do you see there? Absolutely, and why you got him on the cheap. Like, yep. There's no need to be messing around by, you know, you got him for free basically right now. Go ahead and make the make the, uh, make the the call on whether or not he's got the potential or not. Did you like Brian Flores saying, saying what he said about it, though? What he he's said. Got, say, he's got to come in here and earn the job like everybody else in the building. Did you 100%. like that, or yeah, yeah. you're okay with that? Absolutely. I mean, I— to me, and I think Bill Belichick would say that. I mean, obviously everybody knows, but he'd be like, hey, from Tom Brady on down to the 53rd. Right, 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 right. After in our spot. But if you're in a situation like this where Ryan Fitzpatrick has started a long time in the league, yeah, you say, hey, it's going to be an open competition. If he plays well, we'll get him and we'll start him. If not, then, you know, the, the, the guy who deserves it, you know, earns it, right. wins it. Um, the New York Giants had the most interesting <laughs> – Polarizing, polarizing yeah, whatever I mean, you want to call it. Is, is it, it polarizing? Has anyone come out and supported no. it? No. Here's what I'll say. So they, they took Daniel Jones sixth overall. Most people thought Dwayne Haskins was going to be the selection. You like universally, it feels like there, everyone is just like, this is a trash pick. This is a huge mistake. Right. Um, I'll say most of the people who study the film, like myself, you know, guys who have studied them. Sure. We're surprised. You mean I don't study film? You talking about? No, no, no. I, well, you watch a lot of Dwayne Haskins. I like Dwayne Haskins better. Watch any film? I watch yeah. Dwayne Haskins better. I'll say this: I didn't. I still think it was a risk with Dwayne Haskins. Right. I think it's a little more risky. That's why I think if you weren't gonna take Dwayne Haskins, why not wait and just see if Daniel Jones fell to you? And if he didn't, you could live with it because I don't think Daniel Jones is like this. You know, you can't miss quarterback guaranteed. There, there's no such thing that exists. So. I, that's been my, that's been that's been Dave Gettleman's biggest criticism. Right. Is why didn't you wait to get him at uh, right. at, at seventeen? So D uh, Dave Gettleman says, "I guarantee you." He says, "I know for a fact right. that Daniel Jones would not have been there at 17. Again, Dave Gettleman is becoming really unlikable for me. I don't know where his arrogance comes from. Um, I think this is him totally defending the pick so that he has an Correct. out at the Correct. back end if it doesn't work out. No, like, listen. Why you're you made your bed now? Just go all in. Say we we just believe. Stick to your original guns and say we liked him so much. We don't care if he would have slipped till sixty second. We wanted him no matter what. So because I'm not buying this BS. You had a situation where a, a, a pass rusher drops into your 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 lap potentially. Yep. Right. You're in desperate need of one of those. Yep. Um, best player on the board probably at that point because people didn't Correct. expect him to drop. And you pass on that for a kid that no one, no one had going at number six. Nope. Uh, I, I think that's a miss. And I will comp you got compounded that by last year having an opportunity to have probably maybe the best player in the draft and Sam Darnold, right? Mm -hmm. Fall into your lap last year and you went running back. Now I, I supported Saquon. I like Saquon. 
but you had a chance to get the franchise quarterback universally regarded as probably the best quarterback. Nobody saw Baker going number one. That right. started that started late. Yep. It was the Sam Darnold show. You had a right. shot at him. Except my bad. My bad. True <laughs> that. But point being, like you're gonna jump up and take a kid that no one saw going at number six and then try to defend it by saying, you know for a fact, get the hell out of here. You don't know who told you for a fact. Right, who, he's got his who told you? They come they're not publicly. Public. They're giving you Any no. They are. They're just protecting them in this old boys league. Like, Correct. That's what they're doing. And they're not telling you. You're not calling somebody in front of you and saying, "Hey, would you have taken?" Right. Yeah, we were definitely going to take. <laughs> Get the heck out of here. It's such. They're not BS. showing their hand like that. Who do you like? Let's let's just hypothetically let's say we're believing. Um, um, Dave old Gettleman? Mr. Dave here. Yeah. I really don't like Dave Gettleman. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. Starting to get because because then he got up in a press conference and he didn't like. It was just terrible. But anyway, before them. Who could have potentially taken? So the Broncos at 10. See, this is where I think John Elway played this perfectly. Mm -hmm. Everyone assumed, everyone kind of knew that John Elway loved Drew Locke. Right. right? Now, maybe that was a smokescreen, but now it sure looks like he's a genius because you know what happened? He didn't take him at 10. He just sat there, traded out of 10 back to 20. It was at 20. I was like, oh, he's definitely taking Drew Locke now. Said, nope. Got another guy to uh, defense. He said, nope. Then he comes back, gets him in the second round, the 42nd overall pick, still gets his guy, and ends up there. But the the basic point being, the Broncos hypothetically could have been a team there that needed right. a quarterback. The Redskins, who actually ended up taking Dwayne Haskins, maybe, but by all indications, uh, they had there were the rumors were that the Redskins might trade up in front of the Giants to get Dwayne Haskins. Right. Those were the rumors before the guy. So you might even play right into the Redskins' hand by letting them get the quarterback they want at, at the know? pick that they were originally exactly. slotted to get. Um, uh, Jacksonville Dolphins maybe Dolphins went out Dolphins, got a quarterback. Dolphins could have been one, but I don't know. I mean, if they were in the Josh Rosen sweepstakes, like maybe they were. They've been talking I about just, this for a while look, too. I guess the bottom line is I don't look. Here's what's great about it. Dave Gettleman basically bet his job on Daniel Jones, which is fine. It's his right to do that. Play He's the GM. Out. We can talk about this. Everybody else can boo and give write your articles and have your opinions. He's the one with his job on the line. Here's the great thing about it. Sam Darnold, as you mentioned, who we passed on for Saquon Barkley. Is playing right in the same yep. same market, right? So if he plays well and you look bad, like it's it's gonna be a bad look. I think Saquon Barkley works out fine. I didn't have any problem with that, right? At all. I don't even know if Sam Darnold's gonna be great yet. I just don't think it's very early. Here's what's the best part about it: is that right in your own division, the quarterback that you could have had that felt spurned by you, you're gonna have to face him twice a year. Correct. That to me is where Dave Gettleman either keeps his job or loses his job. It's it's if if Dwayne Haskins looks good and and succeeds. Then you're going to look like a fool, and if not, then you're you know if yeah, Daniel Jones uh, succeeds, then you're going to look like a genius. He may sit, yeah, he may sit here a year from now or two years from now saying, "I, I told you so," maybe right. right? But typically, you got a guy who, with four years of starting experience, is that what is that what um, uh, Daniel Jones had at Duke? Yeah, he's played a lot. Re- re- relatively nondescript, unimpressive football play, right? Yep. Um, you had four years of that. Never like usually three three, four years. years. All right, usually like. You know, by that yeah, third year, if you're a gangster, yep. you are you are leading teams to doing some stuff that they normally didn't do before they had this number six pick at quarterback. Um, and then you have the other kid, Dwayne Haskins, with one real year of starting, one bad night at Purdue, and was was throwing up some incredible numbers, only overshadowed because of what Kyler Murray did 
this year at the quarterback position. But from a passing like yardage standpoint, touchdowns, big ten so, records all across the board. Yep. Uh, huge comebacks when his team were down. I heard this this man talk about. Um, I knew I knew he was a pro because he had some adversity. Uh, come on, bro, <laughs> you got three years sample size of a dude who hasn't really grown exponentially each year. You had one look at a young quarterback who blew all the numbers away. All of his footballs in front of him. Yep. You got a piece of clay. Like you can't sell me on that. So you know how you've said in uh, the NBA draft, you want you would not want the number one pick. Yeah. Because you you don't you don't want to have to you realize you have to take Zion. I wouldn't want to have to draft a quarterback in the first round. Yeah. Like if I was a team that because I didn't love any of these, even Kyler Murray, I think is an extreme risk. I would have taken him for the Cardinals, fit it with Cliff right. and go all in. I don't love any of these quarterbacks, so that's why I think some of these other teams, like the Broncos, getting Drew Locke in the second round, I think is genius. You don't have to pay as much. The expectations on are going to be lower. You not there's not going to be this massive pressure to play him early. Right, sign Joe Flacco so you can develop him. Um, Will Greer in the third round. Eh. I don't love that. My boy Coca. Coca's West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia through, through, right? I don't think it makes sense because I, I mean, he's probably going to have to play because Cam Newton gets hurt a lot. Right. I just don't know. I don't, I think Will Greer is a product of the system. That's totally my favorite selection in the draft is Ryan Finley in the fourth round for the Cincinnati Bengals because it from NC State. Yeah. yeah. And he, he played three years, was a long time starter. You saw a little bit of development there throughout. He raised the level of program where they started to win. They made some bowl games. Right. Um, and I think he's going to challenge Andy Dalton. And he's dirt cheap. Right. Dirt cheap. The expectations are low. Um, cause that's, that's the, what the Patriots have done. So the Patriots, Andy, they took Jared Stidham in the fourth round. They, so they don't, now granted, they have the luxury of having Tom Brady, but they're, they, this has been their MO. They got Garoppolo in the second. They got, um, Jacoby Brissett later. Right. They've gotten, you know, like they've gotten a lot of these guys for nothing and they kind of, all right, let's get him in here. Let's see how it works. And oh, by the way, Tom Brady was a sixth round pick. And then if it doesn't work, you just keep drafting them. Right. Or fourth, right. you know, fifth round, just keep the bringing va- The value's there. The value's and, there. And I don't mean to kill Daniel Jones. I want you to finish your thought. It's not about Daniel Jones necessarily as as a, a good quarterback. It's just whether or not it warranted the number six pick. That's my beef right. with it. You understand That's what I'm saying? That's my biggest yeah. beef, too. And it didn't. Right. It did not. They could have had a better, more impactful player. Now, Dexter Lawrence, the 17th pick, might be good. But you could have had Josh Allen. Now, Again, we'll have to see how that plays out. Maybe Josh Allen isn't good. 17 sacks last year. I know, I know. He's got to do it at the next level. He's got to get there. But I totally agree with you. Could have had you could have had Daniel Jones at 17 and uh, and been fine. You know which one I thought was interesting? And I I I, I don't quarterbacks. Yeah, the McSorley to the Ravens. And I know people wanted to switch him to like receiver and stuff. But when you're talking about having a starting quarterback, yes, and having your backup, perfect fit, perfect fit. Yep, because they're very similar skill set, even though they don't look like each other. (laughs) No one's white, one's black, but they are. They're but here's what I think is going to be interesting: what the Ravens can do, and this is what the Saints did. And you can kind of steal a roster spot. He can be your your either your backup quarterback or your emergency quarterback. Uh But then you can also use him on special teams. You can use him in red zone. Right. Gadget plays with him because I think he's going to be really tough to stop with Lamar Jackson and him on the field. Correct. Correct. Good luck trying to stop him. And uh, yeah, when they tried that with Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson, (laughs) it wasn't quite the same threat. Now, now it will be. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes! The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Hey! 
we did this to your family. You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So the NBA playoffs in full swing. Uh, everyone's been anticipating this round two matchup in the Western Conference between the Warriors and Rockets. Uh, it was good last year, and then they lost uh, Chris Paul, and then all of a sudden you know, the Warriors go on to win the title. Uh, very tightly contested matchup this one. Unfortunately, as we've seen it happen a lot in sports, we had NHL controversy with the mm-hmm. refs not that long ago. We had the uh, NFC Championship game in the NFL where refs played a huge part of it. And now, after just one game... The officiating is becoming a major storyline in this Warriors-Rockets series. Yep. As James Harden has become this focal point with his kind of step-back move that mm-hmm. he's become, this is his signature move, and there's been some a lot of contact. So let's let's look at some of these. Because the first half, there were three that seemed pretty egregious mm-hmm. where Clay Thompson is going, running up on him. Closeout's the term I keep hearing people using as far as from the foul standpoint. First one, foul. Clay Thompson runs, backs up into him, knocks him over. Another one. Harden goes up. Foul. Uh, Clay Thompson falls into him. Should have been a foul. These are the first half calls. Uh, another one. Same thing. Clay Thompson up on him, trying to defend him. Foul. Nudges him over. So that's the first half. Then you have the officials supposedly told him that, you know, they, this, we've missed some of these calls. Another one. Backs into him a little mm. bit. These are fouls mm. that we're looking at. He's gotta be able to land. He's not really jackknifing there. Cause I don't, these aren't, these aren't to me, that, those aren't closeouts. These are run unders. <laughs> you know, like, correct. You're running <laughs> under his, under his feet. Um, and I get, where's the one? This is not a foul. Game winning attempt. He kicks the feet out all the way underneath Draymond Green's feet. I don't see that as a foul. The Chris Paul, uh, one where he made the three and got the tech. Yep. I think that was a foul either. Those first half calls, Danny, they are fouls. You've called it that way all year. After the Zaza Pachulia incident a few years ago with Kawhi Leonard, they've made this a point of emphasis. You've set precedent as a league and as a refereeing organization that that is what you're going to call. You've conditioned James Harden and players of that like to to play a certain way by giving them those calls and protecting them when they're in the air. You don't get to just turn that off in a playoff game. And to me, it looked like the refs decided pregame that they were going to come out and not give those calls away. And I think that's irresponsible. I don't think you should be able to do that. Agree with you on that one. Now, what I what makes no sense to me is that Mike D'Antoni and James Harden said they were told, might have been Chris Paul, but a couple of the Rockets players and Mike D'Antoni said at halftime, the officials told them we missed some of the calls. Clearly, they were probably complaining. Right. I, you tell me if this interpretation Mike was irate. Or not. Mike's irate. They're going into their locker room. They kind of cross paths. Mike's working them over. And a guy's officials walking in probably is like, yeah, you're right. We missed him. And then Mike kind of walks in. They go their separate ways. Is that, could that be the admission of that? Because it doesn't seem to me like the rest would come up, you know, and have a nice conversation with you and say, yes, you are correct. We missed some of those calls. We missed. I just think it's well, one of those ones where you're walking in together and I was like, yeah, we blew one. Yeah, we blew it. It could have been that or they could have went back and looked at it. Those wrestle look at stuff at halftime. At halftime. They will look they'll, at they'll, they'll look at it. So they'll have that computer queued up and they'll see some. And so it could have been to where they owned up to it at, at halftime. And so, you know, what's interesting about it is I think most of the ones that were fouls were first half calls. Correct. So just because I've told you I made the mistake and this is me protecting officials, that doesn't mean... I can't believe right now. Yeah, I want to be fair. I want to be fair, though. So tell me this. That doesn't mean I'm going to give you bad calls in the second half. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean I'm going to protect you and, and give you free throws that you should not have because I blew them in the first half. I blew those. Those are done. Right. So tell me this. 
because this is, I was watching you and Brad Pock and just go at it earlier. I feel like I might be more on Brad's side mm-hmm. because I don't see that much. I do. I see the body. I see where Harden kicks out a little bit more, but I don't know if it's so obvious to the eye. And you're telling me that an official who does this for his living should be able to tell the first one, Harden's going up shooting normally. And the last one, the game winner, he's making it egregious where it's impacting you, the defense. You fish at all? A little bit. Like, you're on a fishing boat, you go on a charter, right? Yep. And you're sitting there with a the rod in your hand, you might not, you might not feel it, right? You know? Right. He's nibbling, you don't yeah. feel it. You give that to the captain or the first mate. He knows. Do it right for away. a living. Bop, got it. <laughs> right. That's the same thing that happened. Those guys are trained to do that job and to see that. Those, those closeouts, and I, and I, remember, I, I, if there were four of us in a scrum here, and I get in the middle and I grab your arm and I go up and flail, and, and you can't see Pretty that easy. as an official from the outside, that. you, totally you can miss that. that. Well, that's the only thing really happening on the court for whoever's job it is to make that call. It's They're out three of official. space. It's behind the three-point line. There's not a crowd. It's just two guys. He can't miss that. Official. He can't miss that. And what I would argue, and I did with Brad. So you that, are okay with the non-call at the end of the game? Yes. He, 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 he jackknifed himself to a point where he was almost laying at a 45-degree angle. He would have fallen down on the ground. He did fall down on yeah. the ground. I'm not giving you that call. Your body is like this. But when his body is for the most part vertical, even if those legs kick out a little bit and he's not laying like this, you have to protect the jump shooter. Right. Very few people um, can shoot a step back and remain exactly in a vertical plane. There's going to be a little bit of a leg kick out. Right. Provided you don't, you know, it's like the balance offsetting. The it's offsetting your back movement. Head is the heaviest part of your body. If if it, all your momentum's going back, the lower half is going to come out just a little bit. What I would say to Brad and anybody who's arguing this, first of all, you know, I I don't think it's the reason why they lost a the game. So I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they blew a lot of those calls, and they're going to tell me it's a gray area. It's hard for these guys to see it. Sure, except they're a trained eye, and they've been doing it for 90 games this year, and another hundred of them last year. You got 190 games where you've had this rule in effect. You shouldn't be blowing it to this degree. Yesterday, that call was blown on more of a percentage than it's ever blown. If you go back and look at all of those verticality jump shooter space calls over the last few years. And break down how many of them they miss. That they would tell you they miss. Right? Mm-hmm. Those numbers were off yesterday. So if they miss it 40% of the time, and that's the norm for them, yesterday they missed it 90% of the time. And that they made a, a concerted effort to not call that play yesterday, and I think that's wrong. Why do you think that is? I don't know. They, they, is it Warriors favoritism? Is no, it just- no, 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 no. I don't, I don't, I don't think they're trying to get the Warriors to win. I think they've said, look, James Harden, this is what he likes to do. When he, when we're not gonna, we're not going to give him those calls. And again, I think it's, I don't, I don't think you should do that, but you have created James Harden. And I say you, I mean the refs in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You have tweaked rules. You have allowed him to get away with it. You've blessed him with free throws. This is all about, you know, star power, right? And generating yes. league revenue. And so you need a guy going out there scoring 30 points for however many games he did it. It's a great story. It, it, it's on everybody's, you know, tongue every morning, right? And to do that, sometimes you got to supplement with free throws and you've allowed him to play this way and you give him free throws. You don't get to in the, I don't know, 87th game of the season, tell him, I'm not going to give you that call anymore. Right. He's been getting it all year. It's, it's a rule that's in there. Because of the Warriors, right? Look, those are great. Um, one and two, I would say, are fouls, right? Yep. You've, you've backed up into his legs. He's not on the ground yet. Foul. Right. Number two, you are in the air with him, bumping right. into his hip. Foul. Number three, James Harden's feet are way too um, 
forward. He's at that 45 degree angle that I kind of uh, but I think the most before. important thing is that uh, Draymond looks like he's the one that's straight up and down. Correct. Right. Um, this was put in place because of the uh, Jaja Pachulia play when he had his foot under Kawhi Leonard in the 2017 Western Conference Finals. That's King's kind of irony is that the the Warriors actually get off with this now. I know they're getting they're getting the benefit of this. Uh, I think you're onto something because I think Daryl Morey and the Rockets are actually trying to get, garner all this information analytically and show the league say this is called differently. Uh, in it different was, situations. It was called different. There's, you cannot convince me, and I would challenge anybody. I mean, you can't get at me at Twitter or anything like that, but feel free to. At Canel and Bell. If you don't think that they called that differently account. yesterday, you're a moron. Right. Um, this quote is from the Sam Emick article of The Athletic, and he broke down a lot of these points about where – you know, there were, there should have been, uh, fouls in game one, uh, the eight attempted three pointers that should have been fouls in game one, good for 24 free throw attempts that would have certainly decided the game. He's saying there were eight. I think there were four. Uh, for uh, yeah, sure. I don't know that there were eight. Let me read you this line that's in bold from this article. It says the vertical jump shots are the easiest to officiate, but the rule also applies to plays in which the shooter's momentum carries him to a spot that's different from where the jump originated. What would you say to people that would say, well, that's why the Draymond one should have been a call? Well, I, I would say that if you're moving and you're coming off of a screen and you've got all this momentum built up and you slightly glide into another plane, you should still be protected as a shooter. Right. If you're shooting a step back and you're going to kick your legs out into the defender, I do not believe you should be protected as a shooter. So, I, I, again, I want to be fair. And but what clear. do you do if you're the NBA? Well, what do you do to tell, you tell officials do better? They have these rules. I don't know if it's the NBA. I think it's the, the officiating, whatever the governing body of sure. officials is. They have to go back. They have to look at this. This is a problem now. It, it, it's not a right. good Right. And everyone's going to be watching it now. Yes. So we, we've got to be better. And, and James Harden is almost, he's impossible to ref. But again, I will use the argument that you've created a monster. You as referees and as that governing body of officials by allowing him to do what he does and by allowing him to get to the free throw line as many times as he does with some of these, you know, 50-50 calls. So it, it is, I don't think it's fair to him or the league to shut that down at this point. They have to go back. They have to look at some of these. I would imagine that, that a lot of them would feel kind of the way we feel where some of them are probably fouls. Some of them are definitely not fouls and we've got to be consistent. That's my own, all I've ever wanted from officials. And I think that all you can ask from officials is to be consistent. When you start to change the way you're going to referee things, when you start to change the way you're going to interpret a rule on the fly, you lose credibility and you open yourself up to have people yelling and screaming at you and bumping them, which is a whole nother Chris Paul. If the NBA, I don't know what the rule is. I don't know. He bumped an official yesterday. Yeah. He bumped him. He walked right over to him and he shouldered him. He got kicked out of the game. And I don't know what the letter of the law is from the NBA, but he sure should probably like be should suspended. Be. Yes. I mean, I, I'm surprised it's not an automatic suspension if you do make contact with a, with a ref. It, so, it could be. And I'm not lobbying for him to get suspended. I think. Right. But there should be rules in place. There, there are. are a reason. I don't know what they say though, but uh, that would be, that would be the worst thing that could happen. Oh, that, for sure. That ref. Well, that's why I don't think he will get uh, suspended because they, it's the worst thing that could happen for the NBA. But again, like, then, I think then, a lot of then times, you lose credibility. If you're not going to suspend him, right? And I get it. Like I look, it's business. And sometimes, you know, business takes 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 uh is the priority and I'm fine with that. And I'm not lobbying for him except you have rules for a reason. And so if if you're going to suspend anybody else in any other situation because they did this and then someone else does it, the situation's just different. I believe you have to suspend them. And you know, it's 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 just 
the way I'm built. Like that's what the rule is, whether you like it or not. I think it is a one game suspension that if you, if you come in contact with an, a, with a rat, he's got to be suspended. And I, I hate that. Right. I, I, no, I, but it should be, if there's a rule there, then it should be in there. All refs, right. refs, I want to say one more thing. It'll be interesting to see what the two minute report says. Your job. Oh, that's going to be fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. And I never want to see that, right. but I'm fascinated by this one. A ref's job is to, is to set the tone for the game. So if you don't want James Harden, jackknifing all around trying to kick people with his legs and stuff like that then be be consistent early in the game and give him you know the vertical ones right, right. then you don't have a player and I, I heard Richard Jefferson talk about this and I agree wholeheartedly 100% it doesn't become that egregious at the end of the game if you just give him the call that he's earned at the beginning of the game right once you start getting these stars in the air and they're not getting the call that they should get because they should get that foul you're going to get him start to act and start to flail himself around to see if he can get the call. And that's on you as a referee because you didn't, you didn't protect it and, and, and ref it, uh, correctly early in the game. All right. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Two minute report should be out today and I'm sure we'll be able to talk about that tomorrow. All right. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell breaking down, uh, round two of the NBA playoffs in the Eastern Conference. You had the Celtics taking on the Bucks. Bucks, first time they've been in the number one seed yep. for a long time. Giannis had a spectacular season, but. He is held in check, only 22 points, 7 of 21 from the field, um, 8 rebounds, 2 assists. What did you see from the Celtics defensively that allowed them to contain Giannis? Um, they put big bodies on him. They didn't try to guard him with like a Jalen Brown or a Jason Tatum. They put Al Horford or uh, Aaron Baines on him most of the time. And, you know, that he plays bully ball a lot. He wasn't able to do that with them. And then when he was in really advantageous positions, Giannis, um, they threw a double at him. And they came from different areas. Sometimes they came from the baseline. Sometimes they came from the top. So they kept him guessing. They kept a big body on him. Um, and it looked like they confused Giannis. Giannis started settling, standing out on the perimeter. Um, when he's standing on the perimeter, that's an extra defender for Boston that doesn't have to guard someone because he's not really a threat. So the rest of those guys couldn't really get to the rim or, or get anything done. So they looked like they had Milwaukee confused and specifically Giannis offensively. I think Milwaukee's in trouble, but I don't think it's so much about Milwaukee is that Boston as a team, and I've said this a couple times on here, they're talented, they're yeah. close, they got a closer in Kyrie, they got a young team who last year was so close, they're getting healthier, uh, with Gordon Hayward who's been getting better and better. I, I think this could be the Boston series. I think they might be the team that advances. So, I'm not going to say you're wrong because I too feel like if Boston is playing well, and that's a, that was a big if all season. Um, if they're playing well, they're as dangerous as anybody in the NBA. I do think there's something to be said for both of their first round series. Uh, Giannis and the Bucks just completely rolled Detroit. It's almost like they were scrimmaging. Yeah. Um, Boston was in a tough, hard fought series, even though they swept Indiana. Indiana was game in that series, so it looked like Boston was the sharper of the two teams yesterday. I think Giannis and the Bucks will come out. Be a better version of themselves in game two. Uh, but clearly Boston has the upper hand in the series now. They've, they've stolen home court. And if Giannis can't figure out, and if the Bucks can't figure out how to play, if Giannis isn't going to be dominant in the paint, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And I do also want to touch on the fact that Marcus Smart's subtraction, um, has freed them up offensively a little bit. It's like one less mouth to feed, and they're clicking a bit, and Kyrie closes as good as anybody. Malcolm Brogdon, most likely missing games one and two. He's supposed to, or he's going to miss games one and two, already missed one. It's going to be reevaluated after game two. How important could his 
Mal- return B. Malcolm Brogdon can be a huge uh, return. That gives you another perimeter score, another shooting threat, uh, another guy that can kind of create off the bounce, play out of pick and roll uh, a, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, Mal- he's a really, really good player. I think he could be a huge lift for them. But the question is, once he's been out, I don't know. He's got, was it a Liz Frank or was it his, his uh, the, uh, the, uh, plantar fasciitis? Um, what kind of shape is he in? Right. You know, can he, yep. can he even be playing at a level that would help you in a series like this? I think there's something too about playoff experience where the Bucks are sort of new getting this, you know, deeper spot. They're oh, the sure. favorite. The Celtics had a pretty good run last year. They were hungry all offseason. There's just something about being there and being closer that makes you more comfortable in that spot. Yeah. I don't know. That's why I, just, I like the Celtics in the series. We'll have to see if it plays out. Um, our boy, DK Metcalf. We had him on the uh, podcast when we were in Nashville. I remember asking him, I didn't want to ask him if he wanted, remember we did the hat game, we yeah. put out the hats for him, and I was like, I didn't even want to go down to the 32nd pick for the Patriots, because I was like, man, is he, and I think yes. I even said to him, I was, you did. Like, I was like, man, I know you don't want to get drafted here. Right. He ends up sliding way further than that 32nd pick, all the way to the 64th pick, which did provide us with one of the most memorable um viral videos that we saw after the draft. Coco, we got this video, right, with him and Pete Carroll? If I had, if I was Pete Carroll's age and had that body, I'd probably take it off too. Um, great moment there. There was also the moment when he talked to John Snyder on the phone. I don't know if you saw that. No. John Snyder, GM, calls him. Hey, is this, you know, is this DK? He's like, yeah. And then he's like, um, hey, how would you like to be a Seahawk? And he like instantly starts bawling. And it wasn't like it was a cry where he could hardly talk. Yeah. And then they put Pete Carroll on the phone. This was the first time they actually told him he was being selected. He couldn't talk. Oh, wow. I mean, you saw about emotions that were there. And I, it was just, I'm sure at that point, it was a sigh of relief yes. of, man, I can't believe how far I've fallen in this spot. I think the NFL does need to do a better job of – telling their players when they're going to get drafted. He was 64th overall. He was invited for a red carpet to the, be the first round. Most right. thought he was going to be a first round pick. So he's there in Nashville with all the other first round picks sitting there. It gets really uncomfortable. Then they actually do bring in separate guys for day two. Mm-hmm. If you're expected to be second or third round, um, the kid from Vanderbilt, uh, Juwan Johnson yeah, the was taken 14 slots ahead of DK Metcalf. And they actually only invited him for day two. Oh, wow. You know, like, so yeah. then you're sitting there and it gets really uncomfortable. I do think this would be a great spot for him. And we asked DK about playing with Russell Wilson. He's going to be on a better team. He's getting one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I think he's going to, like, Pete Carroll, I would love to play for Pete Carroll. He's going to preach comp- competition, but he also preaches fun. But the ninth receiver off the board, that's pretty stunning. Yeah, we we were texting while it was happening. Yeah. Um. And again, this isn't my, I'm not, no draft NFL guru by any stretch of the imagination. But when guys started going, the Andy Isabella's and, and names like that started going before him, I was just, I was in a panic like state and I'm not even in his camp. I was like, what the heck is happening? But I do think that there's something to be said for winding up where you're supposed to be. Um, and for all of the things that he may not be able to do as a receiver, and I'm, I'm only assuming this because I don't know, but that's why he probably slipped. Um, the one thing he can do is run and go get a ball up top. And yep. with Doug Baldwin, Baldwin possibly not playing football again, 
Um, and the Seahawks like, they like to run the ball and then they like to take a shot, right? Mm-hmm. And he's possibly the best deep ball thrower in the NFL right now. I think it's a good spot for him. Once you sift through the emotions of, of not going where you thought you were going to go in terms of, um, first or second round. We took, uh, I, th- and I told you this, I think leading up to the DK Metcalf interview and afterwards, I've done some things here with CBS Sports HQ where you can watch us if you listen to the podcast. Um, and I thought he was going to be a bust. Mm-hmm. But that's because everyone was falling in love with him because of just the measurables. I was like, man, the film doesn't really back it up. He had a broken neck. He had some injuries. The production wasn't there. But that's when I thought he was going to be a top 15 pick. I'm right. Like, that's going to, that's bust potential. Now that he's here, like that's why I thought, like, I definitely, I thought like the first 10 picks in the second round, he would go because at some point there's a risk reward and right, you're the like, value's oh, you there. Yeah. yeah, the dude's a stud. So what's we'll see? Cause I, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be in a good spot for Seattle. We'll be rooting for him because uh, we really enjoyed talking to him uh, here on Canel and Bell. All right. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, finishing off the show. So we had the NFL draft go. We had seven rounds. Unfortunately for a lot of guys, it's not exactly the dream scenario that they dream of when they're a kid playing yeah. Pee Wee football. They want to get their name called by the commissioner. They want to get drafted. It is cool to get drafted. I think if you're going in the seventh round, it's absolutely better to go undrafted. Agreed. You get to choose your situation, hopefully. I mean, a lot of these guys will start getting called by four or five teams. You can look at rosters. You can say, all right, they have, you know, if I'm a quarterback, you can say, well, they have three guys on their roster. The backup is paid. You know, his contract is four million bucks. He's going to be there for sure. I am, you know, just hanging on by a thread to maybe make that third spot. Or you can chop around and say that team, they have a, you know, starters, you know, stud, but their backup is shaky. Their third spot's another undrafted free agent. I want to go there. And you know, you can also get, you get a little bit better money sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. You're not, you're not locked into whatever that slot is that you were in the draft. Um, and you get to pick and choose and you hit, I mean, I'm just cleaning up all the stuff you just said. You get to pick the best situation for you. Now it is tough. Like I always, am left wanting when people ask what draft picked I was because I didn't right. get drafted. You know, that sucks. But I got to go to a, a situation that helped me become a pro rather than being locked into something that would just use me up for training camp and spit me out, you know? So that – but there is a part of you that, you know, just human nature. You want to hear your name called. You want to get to say right. that you were drafted into whatever sport you're playing. But I agree 100%. You you can't tell me that if you're going to be the last pick in the draft in the NBA in the second round or a seventh rounder in the NFL that it's not better to pick and choose where you go and have the best opportunity to make that team. I got three dudes that I like that went undrafted that I think can have successful NFL careers. Tyree Jackson, the quarterback from Buffalo. We uh-huh. talked about him on here, I think. I uh, did something for HQ. was like this could be the – the steel, like the hidden gem of the draft. Yeah. He's very, very raw. He's six seven, like two sixty, ran a four five forty. He's a freak. Love him. Buffalo's where he played college. He's gonna stay in that city with the Bills. Josh Allen, similar skill set type of guy. They got Matt Barkley, who's been, you know, kind of in and out of the NFL as the backup. Right. Uh I think he has an outstanding chance to make that squad. Um, so good for him. Uh, David Sills, wide receiver from West Virginia. I have no idea why a team didn't take a flyer on him. He's been extremely productive at West Virginia. He's tall. He's 6'3". He's 210 pounds. I mean, he scored like 33 he touchdowns balling. over the last two years. Is he the kid that used to be a quarterback? Player. Yes, yeah. yes. Like, was offered by USC coming out. Uh, I think he's a great athlete. I think he's going to play. Like, I think he's going to be a guy that we talk about in five years. And say, I can't believe he didn't get drafted. Yep. But apparently they don't like uh, football players in the NFL. <laughs> like guys that test well. And another guy who dropped, Elijah Holyfield, dropped because he had a poor 40 time. 
when I was at the Rose Bowl a couple years ago, I was doing the media day for the University of Georgia. So I was interviewing all these different mm-hmm. players. And this is when Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb were on the team. I asked all the, I was asking some linebackers. I was asking them, I'm like, when you're in practice, who is the hardest running back to tackle? I thought they were going to say Sony Michelle or Nick Chubb. They said Elijah Holyfield. Yeah. Like, so I was, from that moment, I was like, whoa, it was like, this guy must be so right. special. They said they they were all complaining, like, man, when he hits you, it hurts. Like they were complaining about tackling him. I think he could be a guy that the, uh, the Panthers could use a lot and they could do some depth of the position. What about my boy Gerald Willis? He uh, was a monster last year. Oh yeah. Tackle from oh, Miami. Absolutely. He can get in there with the Ravens. They'll, yeah. they'll figure out a way to use him on the defense side right. of the ball. So I love it. So I, I, I think those guys come in with a chip on their shoulder too. Absolutely. The other thing that I think needs to be, uh, addressed is when it does happen. Cause there are a lot. There were 49, there were 144 underclassmen who turned pro. 49 were not selected. Right. Now some of them might have been, you know, free agent contracts. Uh, un, you know, undrafted free agent contracts, but why do we not let them go back to college? Like, I get that some of them might have hired agents. Maybe they take loans. Maybe that, they do, yeah, but that would who be cares? The... Like, let them let them have a way to get back. Maybe I, and maybe you have to make where you try to police it better. But so they were given twenty five grand by an agent. Let, let well, them stay with that agent it, the next year. Let me. I'm always for people getting money. So right, I don't. But right. I'll play devil's advocate just for the sake of the show. You'd have guys coming out every opportunity they could with no real interest in getting drafted just to get the 25 so, racks. Well, what if, what if they come out just to see if they got drafted? And I'm okay I, with that. I, I think that they should be allowed. I mean, what are they hurting? Nobody. It school? actually would what help college football because yeah, you'd get better players returning, guys that were this close to turning pro and maybe they didn't, didn't work out. They but, could come back to your program. My, my point is though, like if you're, that's just a loophole for a kid to get some bread. True. Right, so you you go out, you just throw your name in the draft. Uh, agent Baseball hires you, gives you some so money, and I'm sitting there like, man, I ain't put my name in the draft, and now Danny comes back, he got 25 <laughs> racks in his pocket, I can't even buy a pizza. So here's what baseball does, because baseball does it. I think baseball does it the way we should. You can get drafted out of high school. Uh, if you get drafted high and you want to go, sign. You can be a pro. Right. Uh, if you don't, you can go back to college. After your third year of college, you can try to go pro again. You don't get drafted. You don't like where you were drafted? Go back to pro. Right. You can use that as leverage. You can say, if you don't pay me, I'm going back to college. You can use that in your negotiating. So baseball calls them advisors. Mm-hmm. They're not technically agents yet. You haven't like officially hired them, but you can use them to bounce ideas off of. It's really a weird deal. Why not just let college football do? Let them have advisors who give them, you know, unpaid for advice, sure. supposedly, but let them go through the progress process. And then if it doesn't work, go back to college. No, I'm with you. I, you know? I mean, it's just, I it's tried another, my best, it's another I, list of, uh, you know, problems that we have. That, and I've that supported your, your, uh, baseball model before. I, I think anytime you can give a kid, you know, good quality options for his future, his future, the operative word being his, not the, not, right. not the NCAAs or whatever institution they're at, I think it's a good idea. Give them exactly. options. Exactly. All right. So we have, uh, game two of the Sixers at Raptors tonight. I like Toronto. I actually bet that game and took Toronto. They covered in that one. Sixers. Bounce back game for them on the road. Think they get their way back in the yeah, series? Yeah, I think they'll play better, but they'll lose again tonight. They will. Yeah, you think they'll think, be down. I think Mike low? Scott's a big injury for them. He's been shooting the ball great. I think he's going to be out again tonight. Um, Kawhi, Pascal Siakam, Marcus Sol was playing really good. Did a great job. Joel Embiid struggled, not as bad as Giannis, but he struggled a little bit. They'll look better, but I think they'll get beat. Forty-five and twenty-nine. That's a strong. Everybody, everybody knows what Kawhi is. Kawhi yep. is a, a machine. Yep. Uh, and I'm not even so mad at the MJ comparisons in terms of the the way he plays. Not not whether he's MJ, but there's a little bit of MJ ish to his game. Back to the basket with the shimmy and everything. That kid, Pascal Siakam, is a star. He is. He's a burgeoning star in the NBA. He 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 can. You can give him the ball. 
He can get buckets. He's like 6'8 or 6'9. Super versatile. He's a star in the making in the NBA. Most importantly, do they, do they cover the six and a half? Ooh. Toronto. That's what we need to know. Yeah, that's the that's the better question. I'm going to say no. <laughs> All right, so you're no. taking the Sixers. Yeah, I cover Sixers. All right, Blakers at uh, Blazers at Nuggets. Who you like in this series? Ooh, won't put that on you. I'm taking the Blazers. They've been sitting there waiting. Yeah, I think so too. I think yeah. I think that's a. That's Where, a where's the game? It, oh, it's in at, at Denver. Yeah. Yeah, I take the Blazers. Uh, Blazers for the series. Too. All right, yeah, I, I'm on. I'm on board with it. All right, we'll break it all down tomorrow. All that and more. Janelle and Bell <laughs> <laughs> <That's> talking. <so good. laughs>